Hello and welcome to the latest uh, episode of the Inspire Club, uh, our first Inspire Club uh, podcast recorded after the Workplace Inspirathon. For those that aren't aware of uh, that, that event, um, we have been known to run conferences around the world over the past seven years uh, and for three years we will not have a face-to-face event. Um, basically, the last event was in 2019, we couldn't run one in 2020, we've decided not to run any in 2021 for the, for the good of our team and to be able to plan. Um, so 2022 will be the next one. So as a result, we decided to, we, the Royal We, idiot here, decided to put on a non-stop 24-hour event where we would have had conferences. So Sydney, Singapore, London uh, and New York and visiting other countries in between. It went on for 26 hours. The team did an amazing job. Uh, and it felt absolutely fantastic. We've all got Monday off, and but this is my last piece of business for the week, um, and I can't think of anything better to speak with our, our next guest, um, Lisa Hager, um, uh, putting the human back into a HR. It reads on her LinkedIn, uh, and I've I've. I've admired and respected Lisa from afar and decided to be bold and brave and, and reach out to her uh, and like, and obviously just an incredibly nice human being, uh, so it wasn't well, had nothing to be worried about. Um, but I have respected her openness and honesty on, on LinkedIn for a long time. Um, life is so much simpler and rewarding when you surround yourself with people like that. Um, and I'm very excited to to get to know her more on this on this conversation right now but outside of being open and honest um she's obviously hugely talented highly motivated and energetic leader who helps to create exceptional cultures um which drive high high performance uh, a genuine influencer who thrives on tough challenges and, and translates those into strategies and action, actionable value added goals so somebody you really need to talk to if um, you want to try and improve your your workplace experiences and, and the, the work and the experiences of your people inside and outside of work. Um, you can also tell she makes an impact from her engagement on LinkedIn too. Um, my posts and our company posts maybe get five, five, ten likes, maybe 50 now and again, but for Lisa it's about five gazillions and everybody commenting and getting into conversations. So maybe we'll learn some of that magic here today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for, um, obviously, you are full of coffee, or you must be full of something to keep going after 26 hours, because that's like a marathon. So a marathon of, of being the host. My hat off to you, sir, because I think I would be just rocking in a corner by now. So uh, <laughs> I'm so impressed. I don't I don't think I could sit up 26 hours anymore, let alone um, pull together seven countries and, and be the, uh, you know, the, the chief of all of that. So uh, yeah, kudos, man. Seriously. Wow. So, yeah, thank you. I, I, like I said, I don't think I really thought this thing through. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and um, sadly, one of our colleagues, who is actually the Mr. Tech, uh, went down ill at six a.m. the day of, day of the event when we were going live at nine thirty in, in UK time, eight thirty a.m. Sydney time. So we, as a team, were all doing the tech uh, ourselves. So I actually had three hours sleep in forty-one hours. So I worked out. So. Um, Yes, what one and done, I think, is the saying. Um, and hopefully, we'll see everybody face to face because that's where we we draw our energy from. But uh, today, 
thank you for for giving me the energy um much better than a cup of coffee um so let's get let's get stuck into our first first convers uh, first question and our only rule of inspire club um can you share a story of someone who's inspired you in the world of work and why um yeah uh, I mean, I've had some incredible leaders that I've worked with. I've specialised in the SME, scale-up startup businesses, um, simply because the entrepreneurship um, of the original idea of the business and then growing it from nothing has been incredibly exciting to be part of. Um, so I've always worked with um, you know leaders who have been uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit, maybe. Not everyone's cup of tea, should we politely say. So they're a little bit eccentric, um, but that's where the brilliance comes in. And it's fine line between brilliance and madness. And I think I've always, you know, managed to work with people who sit sort of, you know, one or the other. Um, but there's one particular CEO, I don't know whether I should name him or not, I don't mind, uh, called Andy Smith. Um, and he, for me, was probably my biggest inspiration because, um, again, with respect of the, everything the CEO has to do um, is not only run the business from the front end and the sales and the forecast and the hitting the number, but also got to do internally to make sure everybody else is on board and delivering the dream internally. So we've always managed to work very closely uh, with the CEOs to be able to do that. Um, and for me, he was obviously always an inspiration because for two reasons, really, his authentic leadership was genuine, um, a real human being, he would openly admit when he got it wrong. He would be very humble about when he needed help and when he didn't. Um, and I'm completely in awe of his crisis management skills. I've never seen anything like it before. You know, things happen in business. Um, and he would just say, okay, tell me the worst case scenario. They would tell him and he'd go, okay, just give me a minute. And then you would literally see the cogs in his head go around. They go, right, this is what we're going to do. And he would just go, bing, bang, bosh. And, and he would just pull a plan out of nothing. And I was in complete awe of how did you do that? How did your brain get to that conclusion? How did you work that quickly? Um, but yeah, just a, a again, genuine guy who um, didn't really see himself as, as the leader and didn't take feedback to, you know, when you say to him, that was amazing. Um, people would go to work there because of him uh, rather than the business. And I think that's a very, very powerful um, you know, personality to have uh, in that business. So yes, yeah, so he would probably be one of my biggest inspirations at work. I was actually wondering whether what you thought about Having such an inspiring leader, where people are joining an organisation because of him, you know, the, 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 I suppose that's a fantastic um, benefit, but maybe a, a bit of a threat too if you don't have the culture underneath it. Um, yes, but again, he was very uh, real about the culture, um, and we spent an awful lot of time saying, okay, who are we? What do we want to be? Um, we didn't have values on a wall um, without going through a three-day workshop, and that included him and everybody on the leadership team, about why we chosen those words, what do they mean, what are the actions on the back end of those, what does good look like, how will we recognise it when we're walking the floor and say they're displaying that, um, that value. How do we reward that? What does what does shit look like? Um, and actually, how do we turn that around? So we had some real diagnostic stuff for three days, buried in a room, um, doing that uh, with all of those management team and leadership team um, because it was so it's such an important thing to get right. Um, and uh, and again, it's so it just backed up that he was genuine about doing it. It wasn't you know it wasn't lip service in any way. Um, and so that's that's for me where, again, it was another example of if he said it, he meant it and it was genuine. And so that's why people recognised what he was doing, that it wasn't lip service. Um, and, you know, as a result of that, people respected him. Um, and again, he, he would, you know, 
just because his CO didn't mean he wouldn't walk around and ask everybody. He knew everyone's name and what they were doing and what their grandkids were, were doing at the weekend. And uh, he was a very human person, if that makes sense. You can't, you can't fake that. You, you can't fake that either. You can, you might be able to for like maybe a week or two, but then you, soon the true colours start coming through. So absolutely fantastic. I'd love to meet him one day. Um, so back to you, to, back from Andy to you, what, what's, what's, what, what drives you on a daily basis? What's your why? Um, I think... If I'm honest, well, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say my family because uh, they are my why. They are my biggest achievement um, and my biggest gift. Uh, I have two boys, 21 and 18, um, and that's the point where you say, oh, you don't look old enough to have two grown-up kids, Lisa. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, they're incredible human beings, and I'm very proud of how they've, uh, how they've grown and what they've learned in their you know, journey so far. Um, and, again, I'm just very mission orientated you know uh, for me it's about my ethos every day is go mad and that mad stands for apart from being described as a madder than a box of frogs on most days um, but that go mad stands for make a difference so it doesn't matter who it is where it is what it is uh, the significance of what it is it's just that um, that's what drives me to think okay each day before I go to bed I sit and say what did I do today did I make a difference? Um, and it's one of those things that I say in the morning, today I'm going to make a difference. And sometimes, you know, you may not realise you've had a tough day and um, you sometimes you have to struggle and you have to really think about what that win is of that day. But there's always a win no matter how small, even in the current circumstances. So that's that's kind of my ethos and, and what keeps me going. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So you, you go mad every day. Um, that's that. I, I might have to try and go mad, go mad with you. That's fantastic. I, I um, on a previous previous podcast um, with Matthew Gosney, we we're talking about how we're all going to look back on um, the the past eighteen months. I suppose once we've got through it, hopefully it will be only be eighteen months. Um, and I, I start last weekend. I started writing what was supposed to be a short blog. Um, and has now turned into something like six pages, and I've started to like basically diarise by month just what what happened, both in work and outside of work. Um, and as you say, it's a, you're doing it on a much more micro level, which I think is fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do that, but it's incredible what you have done. <laughs> um, when if you just take the time to look back and go, oh wow, okay, so got through that, got through that, did that, achieved that, helped that person, uh, and it's it's actually. I th- and I think a lot more people should probably take the time just to look back because they'll surprise themselves with with the positive uh, stuff they've done for others and also the resilience they've sh- they've shown because I think especially us us Brits we're quite bad at knocking ourselves <laughs> um, <laughs> and belittling what we we do do so. Uh, to yeah, go no, I'm, I'm a big fan of journaling as well. Obviously, um, I have quite a focused uh sort of daily routine anyway um but yeah so like i say i I have that sort of micro level of of having made a difference but i still am a huge fan of journaling uh, for a number of reasons like you say it's to see you know i love reading back and go okay so that was a period of time where it was difficult what did i do what was my approach What, what what were my wins who did i reach out to who helped me who do i need to help type of thing um so it's very cathartic i think um but the same way as it manages emotions and there was somebody speaking to recently who suffers from huge anxiety attacks and he he started to journal as part of to understand what triggers him Um, and we talked about that at length 
And there's some days that it'll happen and it's really, really bad. And he's unable to journal. And I said, then, wow. then don't. You just need to give me if one is absolutely I, I can't even look forward to tomorrow versus 10. I'm doing cartwheels on my front garden. Where are you? Just just give me a number and, and then you'll see the two become a three, become a four. And you'll see yourself slowly coming out of it. So if that's the smallest metric, a micrometric that helps you to then visualize that you're coming out of it, then let's go that rather than, than journal. Journal when you can. But on the days you can't still have something just to show yourself that you're pushing through it. Fantastic advice. And I, I went quiet when you mentioned um, your boys' ages purely because uh, I just transported myself back to when I was 18 and 21. So, uh, oh, good Michael days Park- then, man, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Parkinson once said that men stop, uh, stop at a certain age in their head. So even if they're 70 or 40, um, they're still 21 or 19. And <laughs> 18 to 21, I think I'm still in and around that, <laughs> that mental age, I think. I think mentally I'm still 19 and still got as much energy as a 19-year-old. Unfortunately, my body's failing me miserably. <laughs> <laughs> but my brain is still going, yes, we can all do this. It's like yeah, ama- the body goes, no, you can't lose. <laughs> amazing. And long, long may we continue to think like that. Awesome. Um, so what, what's the best? And I imagine you've had loads of good experiences. Um uh, but what's what's the best experience of work you've had and why? Again, that's a tough one simply because, you know, when you work in HR, for me, it's never been about transactional. Okay, that this we have the compliance piece and we have the policy in the handbook and all of the, the stuff that we have to have. But for me, that's always been 10% of the job. 90% is adding value everywhere else. 90% is allowing people to have a platform to grow, to stretch to develop to be the best that they can be and be there for them when they're struggling because let's face it nobody goes to work to do a bad day so um it pains me when i see in my own you know my own industry i call it out quite a lot um very vocally as you probably said from the, some of the posts um we need to do better as an industry we need to do better because we're too um haphazard when it comes to people's emotions um, in terms of, so rather than throwing the book at somebody saying, well, they're not performing very well, it's straight down to disciplinary, let's have a serious meeting. And all of this, like, whoa, 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 just, do you know what? They didn't start off that way. So why don't we just stop? And why don't we ask them how they're doing? And why don't we say to them, Lisa, you're not doing your best work right now, Don. What's going on with you? Do you want to have a chat? Most things can be sorted by having a conversation and actually putting yourself in that person's shoes. You don't know what's going on at home, their external environment, all of the things that impact somebody. Um, and so, you know, to be able to work in, in a, a people-focused role where that's been the, the premise of what we've done, uh, it's been a privilege. And, and it, it, you know, it really truly is a privilege to be able to be there. Um, so from that point of view, I think probably the best experience is um, apprenticeships. Um, and I know this is kind of very paternalistic view, um, but we kind of became everybody's adopted uh, adopted mum in that aspect. So you've got the, the young ones that finished from school and finished from college, um, and we would have open day where we would meet them for an apprenticeship and also met their family, invited their family and grandparents or parents. So we got to know who they were and um, who was in, you know, who was supporting them. Um, and obviously then to see them start something and look terrified and have interviews where they come very, very dressed up, but nervous as anything, bless them. Um, and then they kind of graduated after four years through the apprenticeship into full engineers. Um, that was incredible. That was incredible to be part of their journey, to see them grow. They made some mistakes. They did some silly things. Um, and you go, yeah, that's just a, yeah, you've been a bit of an idiot there. Yeah, we won't do that again. I would know. Okay, let's crack on. 
on then rather than make a big song and dance of it we're young you would do stupid things i'm an adult i still do stupid things i just need somebody to forgive me and help me like get over it um so i think one of my best experiences has been sort of the graduate um, and uh, apprentice programs where you see people come in and people trust you with their young ones. You know, like I say, I've got boys 21 and 18. I think we're all a parent um, and or we've all got people that we look after. And this is someone else's child. Somebody else has, has allowed me to to help. Their child. And, and to do that as a big responsibility. Um, but this also means it's the future of the workplace, you know. Um, they're, they're the people in 10 years time when we retire they'll carry on and another 10 years after that they'll be the CEO so to be part of their journey and then refer to you later on in life of yeah you know I had the best start in my career because of um, and if you be part of that has, has been in a great experience and, and will continue to be a beautiful memory for, for many years to come. We, we might interview somebody uh, on this podcast and who said and you you were their inspiration by the sounds of it you know that that might happen um <laughs> you never know <laughs> you never know uh well that's that's a fantastic way outlook on outlook on life and, and on business and i think when you first started to answer the question as well i think you were kind of almost describing assumed positive intent you know you know why, why aren't they work it wasn't always this bad and let's have a conversation with them and um <clears throat> I think one one thing that came out of the twenty six hours we had is that it seemed we seemed to, you you're you're already there uh, and championing it, but it seems that if anything's going to come out of this mess, is that work life um, they, they don't they're not the blurred line has been obliterated, and that we actually need to start properly. Uh, dealing with all the issues that our people have um, inside and outside of work and, and actually have a conversation with them, as you say, because it, it doesn't stop when you go to work. When you turn on your emails, you still have the issues that have kept you up at night, keeping you up, distracting you. So, um, Absolutely. You know, you know what, what, in, what in your uh, view is the major work, a major workplace priority right now? Um, you know, it might be that, so I don't know. Uh, yes, so obviously current environment, I think obviously the biggest workplace um, is, you know, like you say, people are working at home. Um, and for many, I mean, bless anybody who's got little children and they're trying to look after little children and work as well. Uh, I mean, my hat off to them. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I have the patience. Um, so you've got people who are working at home with young children. You've got obviously people you know, we are social beings. We're used to interaction. We're used to office banter. We're used to just being around other people. So, um, and whilst people have, um, in the main, have readjusted, there's so many who haven't. Um, and again, we have lots of people talking about the impact of, of mental health on what's happened um, and, and you know, will continue to happen for a while now. Um, but what I think is an interesting topic is... Um, there's lots of people talking about it, but very few have come up with actions that are actually starting to see the impact and, and, and the positive light. So there's too many people joining, you know, jumping on a bandwagon um, rather than saying, okay, well, what really is the issue and how are we going to do this? Because if you think about it, you'll walk across a room at work, an office, whatever it may be, and you'll just by natural default, you'll speak to six or seven people on the way to go and get a cup of tea. Um, and of course, we don't have that. So that's kind of the the you know, the glue that holds it all together. 
that makes us interact, that makes us build a relationship. And of course, now everything has uh, got to be scheduled. You know, you, you do a Zoom call or a Teams call and everything's scheduled in the diary. You don't make an appointment to ring your mum, do you? You just ring them. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously we're making appointments with everybody now. So so the relationship of the remote workplace, although we have Teams and, and that's been great um, and obviously videos and stuff and, and you can do a little bit of engagement in there. What I think we're missing big time is that natural kind of organic conversation that should happen anyway and just pick up the phone and have a conversation how you doing as you would do is if you were walking the floor um and so people have got so used to scheduling time with people it feels forced feels fake and then when you're having conversations whether it's on a one-to-one or a group call uh it feels uh it, it's not authentic it's, it's not just flow of the conversation it's usually because you've got a reason to to ring them for um so i think that's that's a big thing for people right Right now um is that interact the lack of interaction the, um and then also let's remember obviously a lot has gone on with the business a lot has gone on with the people and, and people in hr especially um have had to kind of hold that and hold the emotionality of everybody together so so we've we've looked after the business we've looked after the people we've, we're trying to make sure that everyone's got what they need to help them um but when we turn around and say oh actually who's got you because i speak to so many people in small medium enterprises uh to hr professionals and say okay you've done all of that and you're doing amazing you're, you're doing great who's got you my lovely who's got your back who's helping you um, and there's been a lack of that. Um, you know, I speak obviously in my network quite heavily on that. Um, and there's, so there's a lack of, of kind of support for the people who are supporting everyone else. And obviously, genuinely, I believe that the people who are doing really well in this will hold it together for some time now. However, I don't think we've seen the worst of the impact. I think a lot of people now in terms of it's almost like grieving. You know, there's a process we're going through and we're halfway through it. And at the end, when people go, oh, yeah, oof, it's over. Um, and and so sigh of relief, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll be very, very happy and, and kind of just come back into their own. But let's remember there will be a number of people that have held it together for so long that when many other people go, oh, it's over, that will actually be the point where other people crumble. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a very very good um, point to raise and, and to make us aware of actually, you know, and we and we are all different, so yeah. some will be holding it together in different ways, and people are going to crumble at different points as well. Um, so much so much to un- un- unpick there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, that's one of the reasons why we we looked at our our business and said the biggest one of the biggest challenges that we faced was the constant pushing back of things in our diary <laughs> so you know our, our conference was last april and then we went and pushed it to september then we said let's do it in 2021 and like everybody in lockdown anywhere in the world that constant shifting of the goalposts the finish line it's very draining <laughs> it's we've got to go into another lockdown oh we've got to, it's another few months it's another few weeks so that we just took the decision nothing to 2022 till june 2022 and you can actually feel the the, the relief <laughs> um that, that that load being taken off all our shoulders and let's focus on what we can control um but that's what i was going to say because you, you, I, I was just i just was lost in what you were talking about there lisa um i could listen to you for hours um um there's two ways i think the scheduling of of course, makes it less authentic, as you say, rather than walking through the office. And we are social beings and we do need that human interaction. But I think one benefit of what's happened 
would be a huge I'm a huge advocate of trying to create psychologically safe cultures um you know just being who you are um without any fear of that and I, I think those those calls into the bedrooms and living rooms of the from the CEO down to the you know somebody's been there in their first job for two weeks suddenly made us all much more human oh massively <laughs> um, so absolutely yeah um so I, I, I like you say it's we need to find balance in everything that we do. And I think that accelerated that road to psychologically safe cultures. But um, what do you do? You need to be more spontaneous and and just have those conversations with people so they aren't scheduled. And Because people can actually pro- program themselves and get themselves prepared for that scheduled call and maybe not show the real them as well. So like you say, spontaneity is, is, is really important. Um, I'd love to... I, I, we have a load, we load more questions, but I th- I'd love to get to the more, the more leafs outside of work as well. So, um, what? And I think you've probably got some really good advice. So, what's two two last questions around work? What's the best advice you've ever been given, and who's it from? Okay, um, I have to think about this one um, because again, I have been uh, very very fortunate to have some incredible mentors over the years. Um, but I probably think um, one of my earliest mentors, bless her, she's passed away now. She was an ex-barrister. Um, and she told me when I first just started my career, that Lisa, during your career, uh, being a strong female in your career, you will face some adversity. Uh, that's a fact and get over yourself. Um, but, but she also said, she said, there will be people in your life, in your career um, that will throw stones. And she said, let them. She said, just keep them in a corner. And then she said, you'll stand on top of them when you've built your empire and look down on the rest who didn't didn't trust you, didn't give you the opportunity, didn't think you could. Just stand on your castle that you've made of them and they will, you know, and, and basically it was about lording over people saying, well, you said I couldn't, well, I bloody showed you I could. Um, and so it's just the fact that she said, just take the stones and build yourself a, an empire with them. And I just, it's something that's never left me. Um, and obviously that, that was 30 odd years ago. Um, so yeah, probably that's, that's the one that stands out the most. Can, can you, are you, if you close your eyes and you go back to that moment, is it still as, as fresh as it was that day? Yes. Yeah. It still gives me goosebumps. I remember where I was. I remember what we were both wearing when she said it. <laughs> I remember that. I, again, it was a really iconic moment of my life, uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's incredible that we all have them, don't we? It's how how you close your eyes and it's a window back into and and, and it is as if it's happening right now. Um, yeah. That's fantastic advice. So for me, anyway, like it's, advice is very personal, but uh, and I wish I'd probably been uh, had had heard that a few years ago um, because you know a lot, there are many people that throw stones um, and yeah, just take them and build your castle. Fantastic. Um, uh, are we able to credit this amazing woman and give her a name, or we um, say thank you to her? Or um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll um, yeah, no, we're well, respectfully there. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Um, what's your uh, what's a go to productivity trick you can share with the rest of the world? Go to productivity trick. Oh, in what aspect? If you you know when, you know when you're just at your desk and you're going, I really need to get this done. Don't want to do it. What what do you do to help get you through those tasks? 
Oh, okay. So, so let me just just give you a nugget of knowledge that will change your life. And she oh. says that, and that sounds like wow. That's a, that's a hell of a <laughs> to be put down, isn't it? Eh? Uh, but literally, it will. So, I've always um, and I, I will publish a paper on this at some point in the next few weeks, actually, because there's some good stuff in it. Um, but genuinely, whatever you're doing, is work on the premise that um, when you're starting your day, go to MIT, which is most important task regardless of what it is now that task may not be uh the it might be a five minute one it might be a five hour one it doesn't matter but you have to start to learn to what's actually your most important task yeah and then do that first and then everything else what happens after that is a bonus but if you've done your most important then you're on a winner the only difference i would say obviously some people are early birds and some people are better in the evening so understand when is your best time to do your most important task but regardless if some people like a, a you know they don't start till sort of 10 o'clock and and they'll work till eight or whatever you know the flexibility is there now which is great for people um but whenever your day starts do your most important task first and then that list of productivity, it stops at home hanging it because there's so many people procrastinate over, oh, really, God, I've this. I really got, and I've had this call and I've had this disruption, I've had this email, I've checked that and I still haven't done this. Um, and, and that's what happens. So if you do that psychologically, you're like, yes, I've nailed it. And then you, you build from there. I, I love that. I, I, I think I've been doing that in a really naff way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what makes you say in a naff way? <laughs> uh, as I haven't done it first, but you do get that rush when you've, you, you've, if you do your MIT, as you say, and you go, right, anything else today is a bonus. Um, uh, and then you feel like you've won. Um, but, and, but that sometimes happens about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I am an early bird. So I just, I, I try and do three or four hours before emails start coming in. and. Um, but MIT, so go mad and MIT. I'm, I'm writing yeah. all this stuff down. Um, <laughs> I really should do a book at some point, shouldn't I? <laughs> if, if you want to send me an invoice at the end of this, Lisa, <laughs> um, please do. Um, so to that to that question, let's let's get to some some stuff outside of work a bit more. Um, if if you were a teacher uh, at school, what, what what would you teach? What I would teach is genuinely, I would teach leadership. Um, and the reason why is in schools, um, sort of, because people don't understand what it is, what it means, what it stands for. Um, and if we think now, genuinely, there are some incredible leaders, aren't there? And there's some really, really bad ones. Okay, let's face it. Um, and sometimes people will get promoted up to CEO because they're good at sales. They're not good with people or they're not good with understanding what else the business needs. Um, and whilst, you know, you and I get it and we understand uh, the benefits of an engaged workforce, which means they're happy, they're productive, which can only mean more output, which adds to the bottom line. It's not rocket science, but so few actually really understand that journey. Um, and they kind of seem to think it's, it's you know, pink and fluffy and, and oh, it's a nice to have rather than, no, it's smart business. It, there's nothing pink and fluffy about it at all. Um, and so I would teach leadership and, and what that is and um you know, understanding a bit more about how people work because you're taught the basics of math, science, uh, the basic things that, that you need. But respectfully, I don't know anybody, you know, I remember sitting in, in the back of a class learning algebra. I'm still crap at it now. And it's one of those things that you never use unless it's one of the jobs that you kind of need to use it. And now we've got, you know, obviously automation and tools that you don't really need to understand the principles of it in many jobs. So I'd rather we spent time um, and actually took the educational system into a much more forward thinking arena and actually 
teach what's relevant now, not what we've always been teaching for the last 30 years. I do think it's an industry that needs a major overhaul um, in terms of, you know, lining up our children and their children with what's relevant in the workplace. Because at the end of the day, that's why you go, you go to school, you get educated. The expectation is you'll go on to get either further education or go into the world of work and you will add to the value of the economy. And I think that if we instill the business skills and things like leadership and understanding um, the psychology of people um, and importance of, you know, their impact in the workplace much earlier than we do now than say, you know, degree level, I think that would add an awful lot of value. So that's what I would teach. Awesome. Uh, I could not agree more with anything, with everything you just said. Um, uh, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm, I, I love that. I'd love to explore that more with you actually. Uh, maybe on, on the, maybe we could do a story on our, our website or, or something like that. Maybe uh, just go, go down that track because I think one of the best the moment I think people start to become comfortable and to be able to lead and exhibit those traits is when you start to really understand yourself better, um, what you're good at and what you're not, and who, what, where you need help and where, where you can push forward. And school is almost the antithesis to that. <laughs> um, you know, you have to be like this and you have to be like that, um, rather than actually... Um, so one, one of the great moments in my life... Um, and this is just being silly now, but was when the Inbetweeners TV show for those in the UK and have got it anywhere else in the world came out. And I was well, well out of school, well out of university, already owned a business. And um, I went, I was an Inbetweener. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was one of those, I was really happy and I wasn't cool and I wasn't, you know, and, but I was, I was, and I was, I had more, I wear that like a badge of honor now, you know, so I was, I was an in-betweener. So anyway, I, that's, that was supposed to be a one word answer, but um, it's something that you have going to make me think about all, all the weekend now. So thank you very much, Dan. I'd love to explore that further. Um, early bird or night owl? Uh, early bird, uh, but I have, uh, I suffer from insomnia. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm usually away between sort of one and four, <laughs> get up at six, but yeah. It's 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 not a nice thing. So I, I feel for you. Um, yeah, be, been there the past few weeks actually. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, early bird myself too. Well, um, after twenty six hours, you must have jet lag without being on a jet, surely. Oh, it's 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 weird. Like uh, yesterday was okay, and then I had some sleep last night, and then I've I've woken up and gone, oh yeah, no, I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is this is it, and then for me, and then I'm going to just do nothing for the next few days. Um, now this one is a really hard question, so don't. I'm not holding you to it at all. Um, but your favourite album and and what song? If you just want to get yourself really fired up, what what song do you put on? Um, see, that's a. I say it sounds like a simple question, but I have a very um, wide taste in music. Um, so yesterday I was listening to Eva Cassidy. Um, and today I've been playing Skunk and Nancy. So they is literally um, so diverse in my music taste. Um, uh, and then if I'm, you know, we've converted the garage into a gym. Um, so if I'm doing anything in there, then I'll have anything that's like 90s dance just so it's got a beat and it, and it kind of, you know, gets you going type of thing. So it is really um, random, my, 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 uh, my, uh, my taste. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So we're going to put a Spotify playlist together of everybody's favourite the song that fires them up. So give us one of the many that you use to fire you up. What a Skunk and Nancy one, maybe. Um, 
Oh, gosh, that's a good question. We've had everything from Christina Aguilera, Fighter. I've got an Oasis one in there, Mortals of Story, Morning Glory. We've had you know, also Buster Rhymes. We've had everything so far. <laughs> okay. That's really cool that you're doing it and you're doing a... Um... A, 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 a list, a playlist. Well, uh, it, it's amazing some of the songs that have come back as well, actually. It should be a really good playlist for people who you know need to get things done and fire themselves up. There's, there'll be everything on it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, okay, so I'll come back to you on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, household chores, what do you leave last hoping somebody else will do it or what do you tell somebody to do because <laughs> you don't want to? Uh, I have a bit of OCD, so um, I like a good clean. I know that sounds really sad, and I am actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I love a good clean, especially like the bathrooms and I <laughs> toothbrush, and uh, I, I'm yeah, um, it's quite funny. Um, so yeah, I now so if you come into my house, even though I've got two dogs, it's like a show home because I have a little robot Hoover that Hoovers every hour and, uh, and things like that. So um, so I, I do like a good clean. Um, uh, the thing I don't like doing most is, is the food shop, though. Oh, okay. Um, that's a really boring thing. It's obviously a, a necessary thing that I have to do, but um, it's just one of those really boring things. Um, and ironing, but of course, I kind of get away with that because if you tumble dry some stuff, then <laughs> they're, they're teenage lads. They're not fussed if it's not got a crease down the sides. You're like, yeah, just fold it, put in your wardrobe, I'll be fine. So, uh, yeah, yeah. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> Very low bath with teenage boys, for sure. You know, as long as it's dry and clean, that's fine. Um, uh, no, uh, for me, um, I can't remember now. I'm a bit like you. I actually find comfort and, and I find it relaxing doing doing stuff like that. Um, it, it puts some music on. I'm, I'm not thinking about work. I'm just thinking about doing the cleaning. So, um, And I, f- I feel calm when everything's tidy. So, um yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I can't can't remember what mine would be. Good. Well done. Good question. I don't know. Don't know the answer to my own question. Um, probably hoovering. I think. Um, just just find it very. I find that one boring. Um, so favorite film that you can just turn on and watch. Doesn't have to be the best film ever made, but what do you just love? You can just put put it on the DVD player or on whatever we have now and just watch it. Yeah. No. I I have a um, Goodfellas. Uh, yes, I, it's it's. Uh, I have sort of three major movies that are, uh, you know I can watch a hundred times. Um, so Goodfellas is one of them. Uh, the Great Escape. Oh yes. Um, I, I think it's such an iconic movie, and we all know what happens. And even still, I sit at the point where he's just about to get caught. And go, oh, and I, <laughs> I think I've watched this story ninety times. So you know, but that's when you know it's brilliantly made. It really sort of gets you. Um, and if anything with Guy Ritchie uh, sort of based movies um, and then sort of my chick flick side is kind of Devil Wears Prada and Sex and the City Awesome it's, it's, it's actually uncanny that uh, Goodfellas after we finished the Inspirathon I couldn't get to sleep weirdly uh, so Goodfellas was on the TV so I sat there and watched that for three hours um, we're going through Sex and the City now with, with my wife just to go through the, the, those, <laughs> those TV shows as well and, and um I watched Great Escape yesterday. So it's like you say, every time uh, when they ask Rich Dattenberg, he says, good luck. And he says, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So brilliantly made. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely uncanny, those uh, great films. Um, And at Christmas time, my favourite is is still, even after 30 years, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. 
Uh. <laughs> and even now, it just makes me cry with the laughter. And you just think we wouldn't get away with doing that, that all of that now. It's brilliant. Absolutely love it. It still makes me cry with laughter every Christmas. And so we've been watching it for the 30 years it's been going. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. Home Alone Two, Home Alone Two for me, and that on that front. So, um, so um, what? What? A few more questions. Um, and something you've done and will never do again. Oh, oh gosh! On that one, I'm going to take the fifth. Sir, we'll do that okay. one off nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a little bit outrageous. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will leave that one there. Uh, best place in the world you visited? Um, I love New York. I love the enormity, the people, um, the crazy, the food. Uh, there's not a single thing I don't love about it. Um, and Iceland, again, because it's so beautiful. Um, and, uh, and the pictures don't do it justice until you go there and, you, and you're actually standing in front of the waterfalls and the blue lagoon and thing like that. I, I just think it's such a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and then uh, I was 50 this year, so we should have been going to Bora Bora, which I've not been, but it's on my list to, oh, wow. to go when we are able to. Um, so that's my um, – haven't been there uh, and really, really, really looking forward to it. Um, that's my kind of iconic um, once-in-a-lifetime holiday. So that's, yeah, that's on the list. What about you? My, my brother and his husband did Bora Bora for their honeymoon. So um... – uh, yeah, that we were we were jealous looking at those pictures. I'm jealous of you going. I hope you get there very soon. Um, um, New York, New York is just like you say. Um, I, I I was lucky to live around the world, um, and I always put New York off. I went, oh, it's only a city. <laughs> no, I was doing like Kuala, uh, no, um, Angkor Wat and Cambodia and Australia, and all. Oh, New York's only a city, and I've now been there about 25 times in the past decade. Uh, <laughs> I'm so uh, jealous. It, it's 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 just, I, Ivy, Ivy, my wife and I, we're going to live there at some stage. We're going to make it happen. I think it's just we have, you know, it's we, we just fall in love with it. I asked her to marry me there. Every time I go there, there's something else different you can do. It's just I defy anybody to not like New York. Um, I really do. Um, so, yeah, and and that's been one of the hardest things of lockdown is um, not getting my New York fix. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely a fantastic conversation. I think we've got one last question for you, Lisa, um, and really could spend hours, especially maybe like down the pub with a glass of wine or something, uh, talk, doing this with loads of other people. Um, hope Hopefully meet you in person one day. But last question, um, who, who should we go speak to on the Inspire Club? Who would you nominate to be a really great guest for the for this podcast? From the HR space or any space? Oh, yeah, any oh space, gosh! Yeah. Oh gosh! Um, oh, there's a, there's a list of people I could give you, um, but I think somebody who would be um, really quite fun um, is a colleague of mine called Stephen Mould Dixon. Uh, you'll find him on LinkedIn. He's obviously uh, very established in HR, um, but such great humour um, and sass. Um, he, he's hilarious, and obviously we've met uh, last year. Um, through through lockdown um, and connecting on LinkedIn and um, yeah you know at the moment he's house hunting and, and he keeps sending me pictures we're, we're friends now uh, we've gone from being sort of knowing each other to colleagues to actually um, he's a firm friend we, we've met up and, um, and and he will be a friend for life so um, that's fantastic yeah. 
but I always enjoy his company and he's always got something to say. Um, and uh, I, I think that, that he would be definitely a good person to speak with. Brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm, we'll go. We'll go ask him as soon as we can. Um, and thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Um, as I say, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you, you, it's very hard to to know the impact you have when it just goes out into the ether. But um, you know, you've positively impacted my, my life um, with what you do and what you post, and and the and the bravery the courage you show um so thank you so much and um i really hope that this isn't the last conversation that we have um thanks so much lisa and take care thank you very much for having me it's been great to chat up and um yeah look forward to when we can get together in person um but if you do move to new york then do let me know and keep a spare room because i'll be there lots deal absolute <laughs> deal a pleasure thank you so much and we'll be back with another episode uh, very soon thank you bye-bye